I just truly hope you guys are in for an amazing morning. God has something for you this morning, and I personally believe that God has something for each and every one of you this morning, that he's spoken to your heart this morning during worship that he wants you to proclaim over your life this morning. If that's just the name of Jesus, then proclaim just the name of Jesus. But if he's given you a vision of what, where he sees you to go, go with it. The hardest part about following Christ is denying ourselves. We want to be comfortable. Over the last couple of weeks, we've gone through messages on changing our perspective. That first week, we talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Jonathan, Saul's son, and how you know, God never, never told us we wouldn't walk into fire. But he said he'd walk through the fire with us. So even if my God doesn't rescue me the way I think I want to be rescued, I'm not going to compromise my beliefs that he's good all the time. I refuse to do that. And that was really, the, in a nutshell, week one, what we talked about. Jonathan had the same statement. He's like, to his armor bearer, you know, this young kid just carrying his stuff, like his butler. Let's call him a butler. That's probably better for you guys to understand than an armor bearer. It's his butler going with him, and he's like, dude, let's go climb this jagged cliff and take on this army. And what was Jonathan's response? Perhaps God will show up. <laughs> like, sweet. Every Sunday morning, guess what we pray? We're going to do what we can do, and perhaps God will show up. And that's why that's what made the flipping the switch last week of flipping that lens and starting to see things clearly in, in the second week where we started talking about Caleb and the, and the 12 that went into the promised land. And they're touring around and checking things out. Remember, they carried grapes out. Two of them had to carry them. And we talked about how they just don't make grapes like that anymore. We just don't go to the store and have to have two people help us carry grapes out the store. You know, they can, we can fit a bunch of them in one bag and they sell them for a buck ninety-nine a pound or whatever it is. And they're carrying these things out and Caleb comes back with this story saying, guess what? This land is awesome. God's got this. Basically what he said in my terms. You can read the gene version of the Bible, okay? He says, God's got this. And the people are like, no, we can't because we're grasshoppers to them. And we talked about how as Christians we sometimes have a grasshopper complex. We think our obstacles are too big and our problems are too big and we can't overcome them. But God said, I've already given you the victory. You can overcome them. That's what God told us, talked about to us last week. Today, we're going to switch again and say, can we see differently? Caleb, as we're going to read today, we're going to go into Numbers chapter 14. Uh, yeah, we're just kind of, we're going to keep cruising through numbers here. I'm going to jump around a little bit today. But we see Caleb in ver verse 13, our chapter 13, verse 30. He says, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. So that was Caleb's last statement, and that's what we talked about last week. That when God's walking with us and when God's ordained it, we need to quit being pansies and take the land. Nobody said taking the land's going to be easy. But God said earlier in chapter 13, he said, I've already given it to you. He told Moses, I've given you the land. These ten spies come back, and what do they do? They just begin to feed negative thoughts. You ever been around a life sucker? Craig Rochelle gave a series on it called Relational Vampires, how you just get around those people that just suck the life out of you. Every time you're around them, you leave feeling like you need to take a shower. 
because they have just poured negative thoughts, complained about things, worry about things, have fear over everything, and the strength that you had is now sapped because you were trying to help them and they drained you. That's what's happening when we get to verse 14, or chapter 14. Because verse 1 says, Then all of the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. I'm going to stop there just for a second. So you got these ten guys who stir up this frenzy, and now you're looking at a million, million and a half, two million people. What do you think that sound was like? Yeah, it was loud. The people around them were hearing, as we'll find out later, people they were afraid of because of the God they served, heard them weeping and in agony. Why? Because I can't get what I want. It's basically what they were doing. It's so hard, God. Why can't you just give it to me? God, why do I struggle with this? That's what these people were doing. How many of you guys ever found yourself in that area? You know, we look at the Bible and we're very judgmental to these people. They had left Egypt by wonders, signs, miracles. They got fed from heaven, quail, manna, water from a rock. They're seeing all this stuff, remember. They're still within a short period of time that they're seeing this stuff happen. And we judge them saying, how could they not do this? But how many of you guys have sat at home and whined about something that didn't turn out the way you wanted it? Yeah, yeah. we'll pray at the end if any of you guys, you don't all raise your hand. Because you're a liar. We're no different than them. But we act like we are. Remember in the New Testament, Paul talks about careful judging people lest you stumble. When we read our Bible, we got to be careful judging the nation of Israel lest we're tripped up by something else. And then it says, All the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation and said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in the wilderness. Because apparently there's a better place to die. Think about that. These guys are wandering around. They're standing at the gateway to the promised land. And they're like, man, we're going to die here. It would have been better to die over here. Man, even before the wilderness, it would have been better to die in sin and a slave than to die a free man. That's what sin does to us. It convinces us that it's better to die in our sin than to struggle as a free man. We all struggle with things. We all need to flip our perspective. We all need to see what made Caleb and Joshua different. The people continue with, why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, Let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces in the presence of all the assembly of the congregation of Israel. Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh 
of those who were spied out the land tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into that land and give it to us. He goes, he goes on to say, It was a land flowing with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. But all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Then the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meeting to all the sons of Israel. That's verses 1 through 10. So we see a people struggling. We see them seeing obstacles. They see them seeing their addictions. They see them seeing their marriages fall apart. They see them seeing their kids struggle. They see them saying, you know, why can't I get this job? They're all seeing this stuff. That's what they're seeing in today's vision. Why can't God, God, it's just, it's just better if I go back here and just give up. I'm comfortable here. I don't want to work. I want to stay. I want my, I want my job following you to be easy. You know, think about it this way. How many of you guys truly believe God can heal? Okay. Do you think that there's a part for us to do in that healing? Or is God just going to show up? Now, God is sovereign. He can do whatever he wants. Don't hear me wrong on this point. But it, say I'm sick. I pray for healing. God heals me, but I take in no nutrition. What does that do to God's healing power? It still destroys my body because I'm not taking the nutrition of how God created me to be. God wants us to play a part in his miracles. God wants you to play a part in your miracle this morning. He can show up and do whatever he wants. But he's asked us to join him so the people around us can see it. So at this point, we see the congregation whining. We see Caleb, dude's an encourager. I mean, one of his gifts is he's, a, he's got the gift of encouragement. Because even after listening to these people whine, he's like, the land we passed through is great, and God's given it to us. We can do that. He's asking people to build their faith. He's asking, he's trying to lift them up almost on his shoulders, saying, I'll, I'll, just follow me. We can do this. I'll follow God. You follow me. We got this. And the people are like, let's stone them. And dude is just trying to help them. That's the key I'm going to get into next week. When we change our perspective and start following God and become the leaders he's called us to do, it's not always going to be popular. So you ain't going to miss next week. Because guess what? You all leaders. If you're not leaders in a, in a ministry, you're a leader of your family. If you're not a leader and you don't have no kids yet, you're a leader at your job. We're all called to be leaders. If you're a teenager, you're called to lead at school. You're called to lead a better example. You have friends. He's asked you to lead. None of you are not leaders. The question becomes, do we lead following Jesus or do we lead under our own strength? And Caleb always followed what God said. 
Joshua never turned his back on Moses or the Lord. And neither did Caleb. So the Lord said, if we jump down to verse 20, so the Lord said, I have pardoned them according to your word. See, Moses fell on his face before God. The people didn't fall on their face. The people were rebelling. Moses, Aaron, Joshua, Caleb tore their clothes and fell pleading for the very people that were trying to kill him. What does that sound like? A lot like Jesus, who from the cross said, Father, forgive them. So Moses is pleading, saying, God, you rescued them out of Egypt. You brought them through the wilderness. These, these are your people. Don't let the Egyptians look at us. Don't let the people in this land see this people be destroyed. Because God said, guess what? I'm going to kill them all. I'm going to make a great nation out of you, Moses. Now, how many of you prideful people, none of you going to raise your hand because I said that, wouldn't say, okay, deal. I'll, I'll leave. You and me, God, we got this. Moses drops on, this is the humility of Moses. He drops on his face and says, no, God, this is not my, this is not about me. This is about you. This is about your glory. This is about what you can do. This is about who you are. So when Moses faced problems, he always brought them to God. He never went to his neighbor who was going to tell him he deserved to be upset. He went to God first. And that's a key to what we need to do when we run into problems. Quit running to your neighbor who's going to sympathize with you and go to the God who will correct you. Because Moses dropped on his face and said, God, this is all about you. This is about your glory. This is about your kingdom. This is about what only you can do. And God responds and says, I pardoned them according to your word. Now, does that mean God changed his mind? No, I don't believe so. I believe God's purpose was to draw Moses and Israel into a closer relationship with him through prayer through intercession, through talking to each other. God always does things to draw us closer. But indeed as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Surely all the men who have seen my glory and my signs, which I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, yet have put me to the test ten times. And it says ten times. Trust me, it was more than that if you actually went through and counted. And, I, and have not listed have not listened to my voice, shall by no means see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall they see any of those who spurned me to see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has had a different spirit and obeyed and followed me fully, I will bring him into the land which he, enter, which he entered and his descendants shall take possession of it. When we sin... There are consequences. If we say we're under a new covenant, we don't have to look at the old covenant and Old Testament anymore, we're lying to ourselves. We get a half a picture of God if we don't take all his word. And so God said, guess what? These people are never going to see the land that I promised them. Now, if that doesn't freak you out a little bit and say, guess what? I'm going to follow God because I don't want to miss the promise that he's given me, because apparently I can miss the promise he has for me. We all need to switch our, our vision a little bit and see God for what he's called us to do. Now, again, he looks at our heart. He knows what's going on. But at this point, God said, I've had enough. These people are not going to enter the promised land. They, they keep turning their back on me, like in every other day occasion. 
And they're like that mom that's yelling at their kids, yelling at God that way. If you don't behave, I'm going to turn this car around and bring you, bring you back home. Because that's what they said. We want to go back to Egypt because that was their home. They didn't see their home as being the kingdom of God. And so when we complain and whine about things, we don't see the kingdom of God. We see our obstacles. We see our problems. But what made Caleb so different? And that's, that's our main focus today. What gave him a different kind of spirit? What gave him a different vision than the rest of the people? How did he see things so much differently than popular opinion told him it should be? As I read the story, I'm thinking this about this story. Okay, now the people, God says, guess what? Go. You're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. How many of you guys today, doing the right thing, would still be humble enough to wander in the wilderness for 40 years after you've seen the promised land? I would struggle with that. I'm getting punished for what they did. You never once hear Caleb or Joshua say anything. You hear Caleb was a man who followed me completely. If we jump forward, and you guys don't have to go here, but if you jump over to Joshua 14, which talks a little bit more about Caleb, and in verse 6 it starts off, Then the children of Jacob came to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord had said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholehearted followed the Lord my God. So Moses blessed Caleb. Caleb had to wait <laughs> 45 years to see the promise. We get upset if we have to wait 45 seconds for our phone to connect to somebody if they don't text us back. If we have to go to the fast food line and wait two minutes, this is supposed to be fast food. I should not have to sit here and get me my food quicker. Caleb and Joshua stayed faithful for 40 plus years following God and Moses. So some of the things we see of Caleb, he had a different spirit. He said, I don't care what the people do. I know the God I serve. I don't care about the obstacles that are in front of me. I know he can defeat them. I don't care about the problems I have today. My God is greater. Second thing we see in Caleb, he says, guess what? This de delay does not mean I'm not promised to go to the promised land. Godly de delays do not mean denial. Because we don't know. Caleb might have had to mature some more. Caleb might have had some learning to do. 
We know Joshua had some learning to do hanging out with Moses if he was going to lead this people. So understand, if you're going through something today and it doesn't seem it's happening as fast as you could, and I will use myself as an example. And I don't... We have been in prayer of moving to Rice for a couple of years now. Two some years my house has been on the market. I'm like, God, this is your house. You'll sell it when you're ready. My wife, why isn't our house selling? <laughs> I'm like, because God isn't ready. She don't like that answer. Why? Because she wants security. She wants to know what's going on. Nothing bad about it. I'm not saying anything bad about my wife. And don't tell her I am. Um, this week, in a matter of two days, God has dropped things into place where we're signing a contract. The money we'll need for closing is already showing up. And God's taking care of everything in his time. Now, I'll be homeless and I have a tent to live in. But I'm good there because God will provide that too. Hey, the Israelites, they were all tent people. I can live in a tent too. I am playing. We're going to be fine. But I'm trusting God. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm saying, guess what? God's delay in selling our house was not his denial that he wanted to come up. Because if I believed it was his denial, then I would have looked for another job in another place to see, God, am I not doing the right thing? He had to test my faithfulness. Was I going to be faithful to do what he's called me to do, even though it didn't work out the way I wanted it to work out? And he's going to do that to you. So understand, delays do not mean denials. Third thing we see in here is he remained faithful. He remained faithful to God. He remained faithful to Moses. And he remained faithful to Joshua. He never gave up on the promise that God had offered him. And the last ones, he said, guess what? God's promises never fail. If he said he's going to do it, he's going to do it. Do you believe that this morning? That the promise God's given you about your life, even though it may not be going the way you want it to, that his promises never fail and he will walk you through this. He will carry you through it at some point. And a couple other things that I didn't put up there is we see Caleb was a man of vision. He saw the land as the possession of God's people. He didn't see it as his land. He didn't see it as his property. He said, this is God's possession. This is God's land. I am God's land. That's how he looked at it. Do you see yourself as God's possession? Or do you see yourself as my possession? God gets to rent me when I'm ready for him to rent me. Up until then, I'm going to control what I do. I think a lot of, and we all struggle with that. None of us, none of us are above that. He saw Hebron, this portion, and if you study this, the portion he looks at to overtake was the portion where the giants lived. He didn't take the easy land. He said, uh-uh, I want that one right there. And I'm betting the rest of the people are like, sweet, you can have that. Because he had to take out giants. He had to take out obstacles. It wasn't going to be easy, but he saw God take it and said, it's mine. Do you guys fight your obstacles that way? God has already overcome this. The victory is mine. I'm hanging on to that. I may struggle. I may step back. I may fall back, but I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to get knocked down again. I'm going to dust myself off because God's already declared the victory for my life. It is finished is what Jesus said at the cross, which means it's done. And so Joshua saw that when the other ten saw natural, God, Caleb saw the spirit. He saw a vision of what God can do. The third, second thing in this 
part that I got is he was a man of faith. When you fix your attention on your obstacles and your struggles and your addictions, then your objective is fear, not faith. How many of you look at your problems, look at your fears, look at your obstacles, and talk about them instead of telling them about your God? I just don't feel good today. My God is greater. I'm just struggling with this today. I don't seem like I can overcome it. My Jesus did overcome it. I claim victory in his name. I'm going to walk out in freedom today. I don't have to listen to the lies of the enemy anymore because I'm going to listen to the voice of the one who created me. When you stop using spiritual sight, which is fixed on God's word, and you begin using your natural sight, which only sees what's in front of you, it's easy to focus on difficulties. It's easy to focus on dangers. It's easy to focus on what's not right. See, I can't even say that negatively. It's easier to focus on what's wrong. I'm that glass full kind of guy, half full. And we, we start walking in fear, but Caleb walked in faith. Forty years he walked in faith. Forty years he walked in victory. How many of you guys see the 40 years that Caleb walked through the wilderness with the rest of Israel as victory? Caleb did. His struggles did not change his view of who God was. The third thing, he was a man of perseverance. He wandered for 30 years. He listened to people whine. He listened to people complain. He listened to people try to suck the life out of him. But Caleb would hear nothing about it. He always tried to honor God with his life. He always tried to honor Moses. And now at this point, he didn't worry about who got to be in charge. There were 12 people that scouted out that land. Caleb wasn't worried about who's going to be the next in charge when Moses died. He said, I just want to be faithful. Joshua got picked to lead the tribe, to lead Israel. And we're going to look at him and how even, guess what, he ran into obstacles. But Caleb said, guess what, Joshua, you're in charge because he went to Joshua and said, this is what God's promised me. This is what the man of God, Moses, told me we could have. Can we have it? He never dishonored his leadership because dishonoring leadership undercuts what God's trying to do. And so our challenge this morning from this story is understanding there's a difference between knowing what path to take and walking that path. We all know what we're supposed to do to follow Jesus. But it's a lot harder to walk that path out, which is why we need each other, which is why we need the connections we have as a body, because we have to lean on each other. We have to help each other. We have to pray with each other. How are you going to see things this morning in your life? Are you going to see them as the ten spies who saw these issues as bigger problems than the God you serve? Are you going to see these problems as grasshoppers that your God can defeat when you connect with him? Because like Caleb, our lives, when we live out our life, we, see, we always are looking at something. But people who do things that matter in the world dream about things that advance, promote, and glorify God. And I, I want to encourage you this morning with this statement. Perhaps the power of God is already alive within you and you just need to start dreaming about things that matter. 
we have a God who can do anything. 